Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the absence of truth and right Love makes a circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Able to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement, and if you missed it, you can catch it in our archives. I've authored four books, the most recent being You, Me, Life, Dreams, and its companion workbook, and then my first two books, Activating Compassion and its companion workbook, and I've actually got a fifth that's on the way out that I'm the co-author on called Embraced by the Divine, so you definitely want to watch for that as well. In addition, I've created the Compassion Tour, which I'm currently on, and that's a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book signing events, and fundraising events, and you can follow everything regarding that tour through my website at jessianmicholsgeorge1.com. And by the way, I'm very, very blessed. I want to mention this. I'm very blessed to be in this space that I'm in today because it is beautifully quiet (laughs) compared to where I am sitting in Guernsey, Wyoming at the moment on my way to the Black Hills for an event tomorrow um, out at Harney Peak. So this is really exciting to have the space, and I've been beautifully gifted by the Library and Senior Center here. And I have to say, the people in Guernsey are just amazing to work with. They're friendly. They're what you think of when you think of a small town. They're they're kind. They're caring. They go the extra step, and they're just full of heart. You know, they're full of heart and soul. They're full of compassion, and that's been a gift to experience. Now, just a reminder that if you enjoy the show today, make certain you tell your friends and family about it or, you know, share it out there on the social media because when you share it, you never know whose life you're going to change with this. And they can always listen to it in the archives. Just come right into the same link you use to get into the live show. Or, again, they can catch it in one of our other areas as a podcast, such as iTunes, TuneIn.com, or on my YouTube channel, whatever makes them happy. But this is going to be a really interesting show. So I think you're definitely going to want to share it with some people for conversation, if nothing else. (laughs) Now, before we get started, those that have listened to the show before, you know I like to delve into a little book called The 72 Names of God, which is by Yehuda Burt. And Yehuda is a wonderful Kabbalah master with some great insights. And I love his work because what he does is he brings those big complex topics and concepts, and he puts them into our everyday life and language, which is what I do in my work as well. And so today, and I always love how these correlate, you know, I I just look and see what's up, and it always seems to correlate with what's going on, both musically and, and with Yehuda's work. So taking a look at Yehuda's work today, the common name of God that he has for us today is freedom. And the message that he has that goes with this is, As we begin to transform our lives and experience true fulfillment, we are tested again and again. Each test of our ego injects doubt. The optimism and excitement we felt the start of our journey vanishes. Got a really wonderful story that goes with this as part of his insight. And I think that a lot of people might relate to this on one level or another. I think certainly today's guest (laughs) can relate to this given the journeys that she's been on. And the insight is, as slaves and the children of slaves, the people of Israel were in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. Then came Moses, sent by the creator. He won freedom for his people. Then he led them on a long and arduous journey including that famous passage through the Red Sea. Eventually, they reached Mount Sinai, where they had a date with destiny. Strangely, however, 
the Israelites began complaining as soon as they escaped from bondage. They even begged Moses to lead them back into Egypt. How could this be possible? Was the journey through the desert worse than 400 years of slavery? Kabbalah offers a startling explanation for this. The entire story is a code. It is a veiled narrative of individual spiritual transformation. Let's decipher the code. Egypt refers to the human ego, the oldest slave master in history. Any aspect of our nature that controls us is Egypt. Egypt also denotes the seductive trappings of the material world. The moment our spiritual path becomes challenging or uncomfortable for the ego, we long to return to our own personal Egypt. That is, to the lower level of being that we've grown used to. The path to transformation requires self-knowledge and personal accountability. It's not easy. We're constantly tempted to turn back. Escaping from spiritual bondage means liberation from the enslavement of our own former self. And the meditation that he gets on this is, you perceive the balance and harmony that fills all creation, especially in the hardships, challenges, and tests that you must face throughout life. With the power of this name, you arouse strength to pass all those tests, to rise to a higher level of being, and to gain the joy and fulfillment that accompany true spiritual transformation. You unlock the chains of ego and achieve freedom. Now, again, the common name on this is freedom, and the formal name is Mem Zedek Resh. Mem Zedek Resh. And this is very interesting. I, I love this passage because I know it certainly applies to some things I've been dealing with in the last couple of days, <laughs> some personal challenges and tests that I'm going through, and uh, a couple of close friends know about those tests. But it was great to have this message come up today, and it really made me think about a lot of different things that I'm experiencing right now. And to help remind me to just stay focused on what is coming in um, as opposed to what's leaving my life at this time. So this will this message will be up on my website, by the way. Uh, it will be on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, jessianicholsgeorge1.com, and it will be up there all week. So you can go back and you can look at it, you can read it, you can reference it, and keep grabbing that insight for the week because that's what I do. I keep working with the insight all throughout the week. Now, a little thought here before we move on, go to break, and bring our guest on today. What are your thoughts? about messages from alien and star groups. Do you believe they left symbols and signs as a means to communicate with us? And does this information actually tell us what is happening on a universal level? I accept that not everyone buys into the whole alien piece. However, there do seem to be ancient languages that show up unrelated to cultures and life forms on our Earth. People lay claim to this, through what has been inscribed in different areas that are supposed to be portals for connection with beings from other planets or solar systems. We have seen this through the appearance of crop circles, but also through other symbols that show up repeatedly. There are many that claim even that different power spots were inspired by 
ancient aliens or civilizations and their means for communicating. We see this in Egypt, Stonehenge, Machu Picchu, Sedona, or even less known places around the globe, such as the central coast of California and the San Luis Obispo region. The latter being strongly noted with Pleiadian groups and starseeds, including John Anderson, the former lead singer of Yes, who moved to the central coast of California many years ago and brought forth a great deal of his own music that even speaks of connection to the Pleiadian grouping. Judith Diana Winston is someone that has written about and delved into specifically the Pleiadian glyphs. And this is so interesting for me to consider since, on one hand, I'm all about being in the present moment. And on the other hand, I feel that the past can offer insight that allows us to make wiser decisions or to understand more about what is yet to come. There are many avenues where that can be the case from watching repeating patterns, astrological alignments, and so on. However, it just may be as well that star groups have used the universal language of bliss to communicate with us and to transmit information about who they are, what they are doing, how we connect or interrelate. It is possible that there are several groups that so-called marked their territory in different parts of the globe. And it is possible that they are sharing with us what is happening beyond this space we call Earth. Now, in years past, most would not even talk about such things or entertain the ideas that life outside of our planet was real. Moving forward, it is almost commonplace for people to feel a connection with their star or planet alignment, be that groupings like indigos, crystals, rainbows, or whether they be Pleiadians, reptilians, greys, lyrans, hybrids, etc. And it can be confusing for many to sort this out. And what is the role or place of humans? Are we just pawns in a game? No matter what our background or belief system is, there is no question that languages have been left around. What role do you see these having in today's world? Is it important for us to learn these languages of planetary grouping? And is there an important value exploring such interplanetary communication? This week, our guest focuses on a component of compassion that's related to the aspect in my book says, find your truth. And this reminds us that we must each find what resonates for us and to be aware of the messages that we are sending and receiving. What is your truth, and what do you connect with? I'm going to return, or take a short break, (laughs) take a short break before I return, and then I'm going to return. And when I do, we're going to have Judith Diana Winston sharing her work in Pleiadian Glyphs. And the song that I've got for you during our break today is called Do You Ever Wonder? It's by Claire Hedin. And some of you may have remembered Claire from my very early shows, Um, And you can definitely learn more about her work at www.clairehedine.com. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Wonder 
Breaking out and making too much fuss You ever find yourself so angry You just have to yell Well, how will you break this spell? How will you break this spell? And they don't deny that listening to Activating Compassion Radio, and my name is Jesse Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. You were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called Do You Ever Wonder? And uh, you can definitely check out more of Claire's work at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And today's guest that I have for you is a real treat. We actually had her on the show about a year ago. So some of you might remember her, and this is Judith Diana Winston. She is a visionary photo artist, writer, life mentor. She has worked in the film industry as an actress, script supervisor, and as a fashion photographer. Diana authored Meditative Magic, The Pleiadian Glyphs, and also The Keeper of the Diaries. She combines her spiritual quest with her abilities as an artist and communicator, and she's focused on understanding mankind's origin and destiny, which led to almost 10 years visiting, photographing, and learning about many of the Earth's ancient megalithic sacred sites. Diana's travels also drew her to research archaeological texts, mythology, and channeled material related to these places. She considers herself a mystic and believes that the entire planet is going through a dimensional shift with a purpose to change and elevate consciousness and to work toward healing. Diana points out that as we vibrate at a higher frequency, it forces us to face our deepest fears as well as offering opportunities to realize personal and collective dreams. We look at her work with the Pleiadian Glyphs. and more about her work at www.thekeeperofthediarybook.com. And I'm going to go ahead and, and welcome Diana back to Activating Compassion Radio. It's great to have you with us once again. Well, thank you, Jesse. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, that was quite an introduction that you gave earlier, right before the break. Um, I suppose that would give folks a lot to think about because as I was sitting here waiting, uh, listening, it actually brought a lot of things to mind for me as well, which we can delve into. So it's a real pleasure to be here again. Right. And, you know, just for those who didn't catch our previous shows, um, if you could start off and just share a little bit about 
what brought you into this work? And, and I guess maybe focus on the Pleiadian glyphs in particular and doing that, that uh, journey of work. Because this is very interesting for a lot of people. I know it. Yeah, well, it's it, it's it's been an amazing journey. Um, as you mentioned, I had the opportunity that came quite unexpected uh, to travel around and photograph a lot of the ancient megalithic sites, you know, from Peru and Bolivia to Stonehenge, Easter Island, um, many places around the world, which actually for me started with almost an accidental trip. You mentioned Egypt and made me chuckle about a ways to look at Egypt. Um, but I, I made two trips to Egypt in the 80s that were unexpected. Um, the first one came, I had never even been out of the United States. And some circumstances came together, and the next thing I knew, I was in Egypt uh, and traveling with a spiritual teacher. And I actually went back a year and a half later as a photographer for his group. And those two trips basically started, uh, prompted the, the book, The Keeper of the Diary. Um, but what's interesting is The Keeper of the Diary was a long-term project. It actually took 25 years from the moment I put pen to paper. And... What made it so long was that I ended up doing all of this traveling. And also there were so many, the, 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 the nub of that book came through rather quickly. But there were so many experiences, including the Pleiadian glyphs, which I'll go into, that happened that that book, though written in a sense early on, kept expanding um, it, to incorporate, I guess, a larger and larger picture as I began to incorporate a larger and larger picture of our planet, who we are, um, the cosmos, you might say, you know, the large questions, who are we, why are we here, where are we headed, and where have we come from? So I became obsessed with these questions. And as I traveled and opened myself to the sites and the information held in them, I call it the information held in stone, um, they began to act on me. And at a certain point, right before I went to Easter Island, I began to have, I was always a meditator, and I began to have problems meditating. I would have kind of anxiety attacks and headaches. And I thought, what's going on? This was so peculiar. And it just seemed that the more that I buckled down and and attempted to sort of put, put aside, you know, as we do often in meditation, the things that are distracting us, the less successful I was. So I had the opportunity, excuse me, <clears throat> to consult with a person who was doing paneling at the time. And the message for me was that I should draw what I was seeing. <clears throat> Excuse me, little <clears throat> horse this morning. <clears throat> and I didn't realize I was seeing anything. <laughs> but once, <laughs> once I was kind of given that clue, it was like, and, and the instruction was if I would draw what I was seeing, 
and then use it as a focal point for meditation, that that would take care of the headaches and the other things that were disturbing me. So I quietly, I remember the day, actually, and I remember where I was living and everything that happened that day. And I sat down with the intention of, okay, so what what am I seeing? What could they possibly mean that I'm seeing? And interestingly, about five or ten minutes into this agitated meditation, I did actually see something that was like a a, a symbol. Um, I didn't really know what it was. Oh, and also the, the instructions had been get graph paper, get a piece of graph paper. So, okay, I I attempted to draw what it was that I was seeing on this graph paper, which allowed me, because what I was seeing was geometric in form. And I can see now, in retrospect, why graph paper was suggested, because it made it much easier to draw it. So I did. And sure enough, I was able to meditate. And what began to happen after that, and continued to happen over a three-year period, was that when I meditated using what I now, these are now, have told me over the period of time that um, all of this was taking place, that these symbols wanted to be called glyphs, as in hieroglyphs or petroglyphs. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting, but I'll save that piece for, for another moment. So as I began to use this drawing, what happened was other symbols or glyphs began to come through, and I would draw them as best as I could, and I was very intrigued by the whole thing, but I had no idea what it was about, and it was more like I thought, huh, so this is going to be some kind of an art project, because I have done different types of line drawings with watercolor washes, and I just thought it's an art project. But after a while, and of course I went to Easter Island in the midst of this, and that was a very profound experience. Um, my, the book that I had already started, The Keeper of the Diary, um, was, it actually tells the story about some of the things that happened in Easter Island. So I was in the midst of writing this other book, thinking that I'm, I'm creating some artwork, and lo and behold, these different symbols or glyphs began to come through and I would just do my best to draw them and as time progressed actually over that period of time that three-year period glyphs came forward and each of them just to shorten the story uh, each of them had a three-letter unpronounceable to me at the time uh, name like the first one that came through, the three letters were E-K-R. And I thought, well, that's really weird. What does that mean? But I would write this down. It just it felt very compelling. Um, it felt very unknown, but it felt very compelling, like I had been given an assignment. And so... I, I would write down the three the three letters, and over a period of time, these 16 glyphs came through, and then each of them had 
like this one, K-R, they ended up having pronunciations, which was beyond me at the time, as if they were a language. And so I would just, it was like I was getting direction. It was really coming in the meditative state. It was direction that I chose to go with. I could have not. You were talking before about, um, you know, the idea of we have different paths that open and which where where do we go with them? What do we trust? So I, I, I chose to trust the process. And we'll just start with this first one, which is EKR, and was was pronounced ecar, which is strange, and then it had an actual name, which was atonement, the celestial messenger. And so I just kind of continued with this, and at the end of the three-year period, I actually had 16 glyphs. Each of them had a name, little definition, like I gave to you, and an expanded definition. Um, which I'm just going to read for for this one so folks get an idea of what we're talking about. And this first glyph, this ikar, or atonement, the celestial messenger, um, turned out to be and was kind of explained to me that it was a gateway, that meditating on this was, and why I was given this, is that it was a doorway that opened me to being able to receive the the other glyphs the total of 16, and that what they are is that they are frequency modulators. Now, that may sound kind of complicated, um, but it's really not. We, all, we know that everything is energy. We know that each of us and everything that exists has an energy pattern. We could call it um, an energy signature. And while we're each separate, and have our own energy pattern, we are constantly in this interactive dance with everything and everyone because, in the end, everything is energy. So what these glyphs told me they were about is they were frequency modulators. In other words, they were to assist us. Each of them works on a particular area of consciousness. Um, and... So what they do is they actually, as we look at them, hang out with them, even ponder the words that go with them, which sometimes that works really well for people. Sometimes they just would rather work with the symbol itself, the glyph, and receive the energy from it. So they're teachers. Each one of these is a teacher. It's like it's a being in itself because it holds energy just the way that a human does or our pets do that we're constantly interacting with and learning from. So I'm just going to read this one to give folks an idea. Atonement signifies that state of being where we are at one with the source of creation. The meaning has obviously degenerated with the passage of time and has come to note, to connote a state of regret repayment for wrongs done, done in the past. Here the glyph seems to be saying that at the very act of aligning or becoming one with source of creation, we become a celestial messenger, 
attaining the ability to become bearers of the highest truth. In essence, we become a conduit, a mouthpiece, for God, God is all that is. The guidance has been that this glyph works directly on the pineal body and indirectly on the pituitary gland, the master gland of body chemistry. In the chakra system, the pituitary, the pituitary gland corresponds to the development of intuition and clairvoyance, or clear seeing. The pineal gland, or body, corresponds to the seventh chakra, cosmic consciousness. With the assistance of this glyph, we can enter into the state of at-one-ment. And when we do, we become the interface between the creative source and man, or heaven and earth. Continued use of this glyph strengthens our ability to move into and stay within the state of at-one-ment. So clearly you can see why this was the door opener to the other glyphs. Um, Do you have any questions? (laughs) I was going to say, this is really good. You've kind of brought in a whole bunch of information which I love because you're integrating it with all some pieces that people are a little bit familiar with, like the, the chakras and stuff. And the pineal planet, this makes total sense to me. And, and I was just having a conversation when I was down in Denver doing some workshops down there while I'm on tour. And, um, I, w- I was in a discussion about the pineal gland <laughs> with somebody who has developed a, a tool for for opening that up. And and in the pineal gland actually is what is known as the sleeper gene, or not gene, but uh, sleeper um, cell. And so it makes perfect sense to me that that would be the channel that would need to be opened. You know, that's that's the area that needs the doorway, to for the doorway. And yeah. it was interesting as you were talking about this, and I, I work a lot with runic glyphs as well. And um, and for me, I was going through, I'm like, what does this coordinate, correlate with in the runic glyphs? And, and it correlates with what's known as burkana or birch, which is love. And love, of course, is always a great gateway to open everything. So... Um, and to see how these things come together. But, um, yeah, so I am really glad that you brought that in uh, with that aspect of, of Neil and the pituitary because that seems to be really huge in today's times. Yes, and <clears throat> sorry for my gruff voice this morning. Um, I wanted to say that, first of all, it seems like all of this information is really the same through all the different vehicles, channels, channels of information, not necessarily channeling, but channels. The ancient wisdom, I mean, the truth is just the truth. And it comes through in different forms. I think at different times or that are perhaps more receivable, in particular formats at one time in history than they are at another time. And it's so interesting about these glyphs because one of the responses that has come forward a number of times is that people think they're very futuristic. And I can see that. And I think it's the quality of... It's 
they're otherworldly, while at the same time, just like you said when I read the definition on this, at the same mm-hmm. time familiar, which is a really yeah. – and there are 16 of them, and what I was told, there was so much information that came in at the time, and yet this is a very small book. I mean, it's a very thin book compared to my uh, my novel, uh, The Keeper of the Diary, which is very thick. This is very thin and has these 8-by-8-inch removable cards so that folks can put a card even by their bedside table, a card that they're working with, <clears throat> with the understanding that these are frequency holders and that they are constantly broadcasting energy patterns, which our own our own field, our own personal field, is interacting with. Um, so the cards have the the image of the glyph on the front, the name, what it deals with, like this one, Atonement to Celestial Messenger. And then on the back of it, on nice card stock, so that it's easy for people to take, you know, take to another room, um, be in a spot where I have some, I've had some very strange places where I've used for meditation. And it's been nice to have these cards be removable. And on the back is the expanded definition that I read. And what I find fascinating is actually what the different glyphs, the, the, since there are 16, um, the different aspects of consciousness or patterns of consciousness that they deal with. And I've looked at this over and over over the years, and I've thought to myself, aha, so at this time that we're in, which the guides, when this was all coming through, called this the cycle of the turning of the ages. And I think we would all agree that we are in some great transition period to the next step of what it is to be human um, if we choose to go there. Um, so these are the are, are apparently the things, the aspects of our consciousness that need the most strengthening. So this is really this is really interesting because I think a lot of people are feeling just with everything that's gone down, particularly in the last few years and our alignments and all the transitions, they're feeling lost about, you know, where is our focus supposed to be? And on one hand, they're very excited about opening to this whole new world and all of this possibility. And on the other hand, it's kind of like I'm lost and I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Right. and, and, And I want to mention, too, for those people that are listening, when you talk about frequency holder, and I love that you have the cards removable so that you can take them with you, put put them in another place, carry them with you or whatever, uh, because I love those things. I love when I can take something out and use it for a day, put it back, and then get something else out the next day. Um, but when we talk about a frequency holder that's very similar to, say, a gemstone or a crystal, uh, that holds a certain frequency or vibration within it uh, that's coded with certain types of energy or energy patterns to it. And, you know, perhaps even you could explain a little bit more about how that frequency holder uh, 
influences us by simply sitting in a room or next to our bed or whatever? Well, it goes back again to the idea that everything is energy. And I think that's sort of the basis of our new understanding um, as humans. Not that it's, it's not that it's a new idea, um, but I think it's a new understanding at this time that has come forth, you know, through quantum physics, quantum uh, mechanics, that begins to give us a very different uh, day-to-day awareness of the world we're in and the idea that we are constantly in this energy exchange with everyone and everything around us. And it becomes very important at this particular time because we are looking at a world that needs to be united. And the truth, the underlying truth, the esoteric truth, the hidden truth, that's not really so hidden, is that we are already united. <laughs> so um, the way that these glyphs work, being frequency holders, would be that they they're holding energy patterns, with sacred geometry, and they're holding energy patterns. And within that pattern of energy, they are constantly, just like we are, we don't perhaps um, focus our awareness on it, but we are always broadcasting frequency. We are always, wherever we go, we are always there we are always um bringing everything we are like we walk into a meeting or a place where there's a group of people we change it because whatever the energy that was going on in that room before with the five or six people that came in we've just now added another piece so in a sense that's the way the glyphs work they're very it's very simple it sounds very complicated but it's very simple there are what we would call coherent patterns. And the difference between a coherent pattern and an incoherent pattern is that a coherent pattern is balanced and you could say is healing, whereas an incoherent pattern, like when we're in confusion or, or doubt, our, our whole system goes into an incoherent pattern. So what we would be broadcasting at that point, if we're walking around being very confused, would be a very confused pattern so that people who might come into contact with us without knowing it might be thrown off. Um, So it becomes really important, I believe, at this time when things are kind of overwhelming and indeed confusing that we become more and more aware of ourselves and our own individual contribution to ourselves and to the world at large. And so this is where the purpose of the glyphs, the stated purpose when they came through, was to help balance our energy in, in particular, very particular areas. Um, so when we are sitting there, say we're at our desk working, and we have the glyph, one of the glyph cards that we were working with at that point just propped up next to us. We don't have to even be paying attention to it. You know, it's just like our cat is in the room and we're there. 
and we aren't paying any attention to it, our cat is still there. Our cat is still communicating with us on the planes of energy, though we may not be conscious of it. They're having an influence. And that's the same way with these uh, glyph cards. And specifically, they are broadcasting a coherent pattern within a particular frequency band. I know that sounds very um, technical, but it's not. It's actually pretty simple if we think about it in that in that way. Does that kind of speak to your question? Very well explained. Um, <laughs> the, <how they're> there. <laughs> it sounds like some of this stuff sounds so complicated, but really, it's. It's actually very basic. It's like consciousness it, it, 101. It really is, and it's interesting because I think we've made things so complicated here on Earth. And, you know, you look at these things like the glyphs that come through. This is a universal language. There's not 20 different languages or 15 different languages. You know, it's it's one picture. <laughs> and right. that's unmistakable no matter what language you speak. Which I think exactly. is, is what's so pictures worth a thousand words. <laughs> yeah, it just and and as I've always said, this is the universal language, you know. And it's great that you use the example of cats because you know they they speak in pictures. Animals speak in pictures. They don't speak in words like we do. Right. And it's undeniable what is meant because of that. It's very clear. It's very concise. It removes the confusion. It removes all of the misinterpretation, so to say. And and I love that about this. Yeah, I I think that's really fundamental. When when they were coming through, the guidance at the time was the images were 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 key. That the words were there and I love the words. I mean I love the way the def and I'll read another one of them uh, if we have the time. The the words are beautiful and, and simple and concise. But it was almost like those they were saying, You humans depend so much on words that we're gonna give you the words to explain what you're looking at so that you feel more comfortable with it. But it's really the glyphs themselves, the picture, the pattern that that's that's the important part, which again is not to um, make less of the words because I myself was just amazed because they're they're almost poetry. They are poetry. Um, do we have time for me to read another? Oh yeah, we've got plenty of time here. And okay, and, good. So I'm going to pick one that is, I have so many favorites. I have different different favorites, different weeks. So this one is quite beautiful. I mean, some of them are just exquisite. And I was shocked when I would look at them. And sometimes the way the, that it would come to me was I would draw it a certain way, and then the guidance would say, okay, now erase this line and erase this line. And suddenly a whole different pattern would emerge. And... They were they're just amazing. Um, so this one is called ESR, which is pronounced ESR. There even became a a an understanding for me that this actually was these three letter descriptions 
actually had a pronunciation and I began to really understand them as a language, even though they, at first they seemed, uh, you know, strange because there was no way I could figure to pronounce them. So this one, this very beautiful one that has this waving line going through with two circles and a, a triangle uh, or a pyramid, it's called Synergy, the Flow of Universal Force. And I'm reading this one in particular, so I wish we had hours, I'd read every one of them, because it so speaks to our time right now. So this one says, Synergy is the wave of the future. It's the way in which humanity will work amongst itself and in tandem with other light beings. When two or more, when two or more energies work together in synergy, there is a flow from one to the other and back, which lifts the harmonics of the relationship to a higher octave or frequency. A synergistic relationship is always for the highest good of all concerned because it opens to the flow of universal force. This type of relationship forms an extremely, entirely new entity in and of itself. It is a principle of the, quote, higher mathematics of flow, unquote, into which humanity is now stepping. The glyph, this glyph would seem to say that as we open to the concept of synergy in all of our unions with other people, with the planet, and with various aspects of self, we invite in the higher spiritual forces to become a part of that relationship. In this new type of partnership, there are inherent possibilities for upliftment and information that simply are not available in the energy patterns of the relationships of the past. So this is really talking about a whole new way of interacting. And as we use this glyph, that ability within ourselves becomes stronger. So that, and also one thing in general that came in about the glyphs, going back to this idea of coherence and incoherence, was that when two energies, like if you were to come together with another person, and your energy is coherent or balanced or aligned, and the other person's isn't. If they're like way all, all over the place and you're at a business discussion or whatever, um, if you're able to hold that place of alignment to like be really lined up from the top of your head down to the toes of your feet and grounded, that that other person, you may not even have to say a word, that other person's energy will come into a more coherent space. So you can see the importance of, of these glyphs, of what they're doing for us and what they're, who they're allowing us to be in the world. Um, so I love this one. I mean, I love the way it looks, I'm, it, but I think it's such a, an important understanding, this idea of synergy. So when we come together, especially if we're coming together with somebody who is also lined up, then we don't have to, um, you know, sort of waste time <laughs> while they come into a stronger uh, sense of coherence. We are already both starting out in that place, and what we're able to accomplish together, whatever it is, whatever reason we've come together, will be of a much higher level, 
higher frequency than it would be uh, if it weren't what we call a synergistic relationship. I I think this is a huge one right now, days and times, um, because, you know, ultimately it's about coming together all as one. But we've got, uh, you know, to me, synergy is the way home. Uh, it is it is the way we get home, so to say. And with the synergy factor, there's so many people today that are separating from people on one hand, but they're needing to find those of like frequency out there. And this seems to be a really, really huge thing today. Uh, you know, we, we are programmed that, for example, we're supposed to be with friends or we're supposed to be with family or, you know, that that's where our synergy lies. But it doesn't always lie in those human connections. And sometimes those people are, are working at a different frequency than we are. And it's when we come together with other people of the same frequency, in a sense, um, that we can raise up. And I think yes, well, and that we can create great works, whatever that means, whether it's just a great relationship or ideas that we'll actually take out into the world in one form or another. But the other thing I want to just go back and mention for a second is that we have the opportunity, even if we may not choose to spend a lot of time I mean, I, I think our, for many people, their birth families can be a real challenge because maybe they were the real light holder of the family. And so in a sense, they were shut down because their light was too bright for, for where the rest of, you know, where the family consensus was. However, they are family, and you're probably going to be seeing them again from time to time, one way or another. So the more balanced we are within ourselves, the more aligned we are, the more possibility we actually bring back to our family just by who we are. Again, it goes back to just by the frequency that we're broadcasting, we will have the opportunity of settling them down, settling them in, you know, helping them by not saying a word, just by showing up. Uh, we don't have mm-hmm. to, like, you know, lecture and try and explain our new ideas or anything. But just by our presence, we will heal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's I, really I think, important. I think that is important today, and I think people are having to pull away a little bit and find that um, that space, that connection, that familiar energy so that they can take care of themselves. and. Yes. As they do that, then they will be in a space to be able to handle the rest. Um, you know, as I say, there's a lot of those people that are holding space <laughs> when family and friends and people are ready to step into it because there's, you know, uh, really you've got that one that's kind of stepped up and stepped out, and and uh, we see this in most family dynamics today, and uh, they're holding space for everybody else to come and join them um, in that process. And I, right, I but, and I do agree that it's really important to spend time with people of 
like mind, like frequency, because that that's the opportunity that we have to share in this synergistic kind of growth together. And so I think that's that it's it's really important that that we find our light family, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. to help to help us. And the use of the glyphs are are like a pal that you have at any time when you might not be able to call your friend who you feel great affinity to um, to just hang out with. You pull a glyph, and I there's there's directions in the book about you know how to use them, but really, I I think at this point that it, my, that was some of the things that came through in the beginning. But I I have come over the years to believe that it's there to be used however it feels right to us. Pull a glyph at any particular time, like you would a rune. Or, or go through them systematically, or look at a picture and say, "Oh, oh, okay, this is the one I want to work with." However, it is that that you would come to work with a particular glyph at a particular time is perfect, and they're always there, and they take us on this journey that, of course, is never ending. Personal growth and and becoming. The sense of becoming, this this word that we're now beginning to hear a lot, being an evolutionary, which means being a part of truly the change we want to see in the world by evolving our own consciousness. And this is the purpose of these glyphs. I mean, I I feel so honored that they came through me. That. And I always laugh and tell friends, they say, well, so where did this all come from? And I said, well, I feel like I was chosen because they knew I would do it. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, uh, okay, well, let's take her because she's one of these people that tends to really follow through on things. And so we might give this to somebody else and they would go, oh, this is cool, but I don't know what to do with it. She'll do it. And, uh it turns out they were right. And I think I think that's, you know, just like there's people that are encoded with healing energy, there's people that are encoded with messenger energy. Um, and, you know, when you're from that grouping, Pleiades or wherever, um, you know, they're going to choose a messenger. And like you say, they're coming from a space where they're not going to waste their time with somebody who's not going to do anything with it. It's going to... Going to take exactly. Uh, I've noticed that I've gotten a lot of information along the way in different things, and I get a lot of different insights with my work. And uh, and I think people wonder that too. And that's a very good point because I've always followed through. I've always taken it and done something with it. And um, and it's an interesting journey to take that process. Now I want to tie something in sure. that came up your. <laughs> Um, your bio, shall we say, that I read at the beginning of the show with some things that are happening, and I'm wondering what list you might have that ties in with this because it's something that I'm seeing with a lot of people, and that was that you point out in your work 
But as we vibrate at a higher frequency, it forces us to face our deepest fears. And this is an interesting twist and parallel and polarity, and you could probably go a lot of different directions with this. But there's a lot of, I noticed recently, people that are, are humongously elevating who have been light workers, healers, that have been doing the work, so to say, and they're now coming face-to-face with huge fears. Like I know somebody who just had to put up a GoFundMe campaign recently because cancer set in, She's, uh, she can't pay, pay her mortgage, these sorts of things. So her deepest fears, in a sense, are coming through. Now, I know other people that they could say, yeah, maybe my deepest fear is losing everything, but maybe my deepest fear is actually, you know, uh, having a humongous amount of success, so I'm creating this challenge to avoid the success. Uh, is, is there a group that focuses on dealing with these so-called deepest fears as we're raising our frequency? Because this is happening for a lot of people. Well, um, I want to say that in a sense, I think all of the glyphs are dealing with that because they're they're dealing with um, raising our frequency. They're, um, but there is one that's called trust, which I'm very fond of using myself. That I I will. I will read it. It's called, the name of it is Trust, the Vehicle for Spiritual Wisdom, which is kind of interesting. Why would trust be the vehicle for spiritual wisdom? I mean, all of these, you kind of take the words and it's like, what does it mean? And you almost have to like kind of just totally go into a meditation on the words, go into a thing where your mind expands rather than contracts in concentration um, so that you can get these because these are all everything about these is is about bigger picture. Uh, but before I I read this one, I want to say my 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 strong feelings about this stuff about our having to face our deepest fears or having our fears uh, show up. I think it's part of the pressure of the times that is so wanting us to move into the fullness of who we are that it's going to bring up the shadows for elimination and you know if we've spent years with a hanging out with a particular fear um, we begin to vibrate at that with that particular frequency which then allows that fear to manifest in our physical world instead of just being in the world of thought so it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful, magical time, and it's a tricky time because it's calling upon a level of responsibility in all of us that's very huge, that, that is really the only way that we're, we're, we are, as a species, going to move to the next place. And it really goes back to this idea of taking charge of our vibration, which means taking charge of how we think and feel about things, which is not about denial. It's not about saying, oh, I, 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 I don't feel that way. No, I mean, I just don't feel that way. It's really about recognizing something and making a different choice and that's a lot of the story of the keeper of the diary. It's why these are companion pieces 
the glyphs are actually a part of the story. Um, but it's it's about choice, and it's about realizing that we actually do have choice when it comes to where we're focusing our mind. And in a sense, the glyph cards are giving us a choice, something else to focus on rather than than hanging out with this. We, we think, and, and, you know, this is kind of the old story of what basic meditation is teaching us to do. The, the tool it's giving our mind is, that, is to see that we have a choice in any given moment it, to, to choose a different thought. It doesn't mean we're going to be in denial. It just means, oh, here I am at this smorgasbord, and I see that there's this to eat and that to eat and that to eat and that to eat. And I'm not denying that all those things are there to eat, but I'm going to choose the one that I think will nourish me the best. And that's the choice that we have with our with our thoughts and belief systems. And so often we don't recognize that because we kind of have been taught in, without specifically being taught. It's more like a cultural norm that whatever is going on, whatever appears to be going on in our world at any given time, well, that's just the truth. Rather than, oh, that that's a possibility, but, you know, I don't think I want to hang out there. I I think I would much rather out with the idea of what I would like to see manifest in my life rather than hanging out with not in denial. It's a very tricky, fine line. It's not about denial, but it's about choosing a different thought, choosing a different feeling. So let me read this trust because I think that'll give us an interesting slant. So trust, the vehicle for spiritual wisdom. Trust more than any other glyph is concerned with our ability to receive love, which is interesting, from ourselves, our universe, and ultimately from prime creator. Many people, particularly those in spiritual path, have confused trust with blind faith. The guides assure us that this is a great misconception. Trust, as it applies here, has the quality of gentle allowance. This expanded definition of trust has to do with with loving ourselves enough to move out of our minds and into our hearts. It is about our ability to believe that we are direct, we are divinely protected and guided. When we allow ourselves to enter into the frequency of trust, we provide a vehicle, an instrument of conveyance for the deepest kinds of wisdom to energize and point our life's direction. When we make choices within that frequency of trust, we are saying yes to life. We are allowing ourselves to believe that we are loved, that we are whole, that we deserve, and that we will be provided for. We can see that the snaking line of this glyph that in trust, that is, it is not static. It embodies movement. In trust, we release our culturally learned patterns of control and move forward in our lives knowing that our journey is fueled by the energy of spirit. So what I find most interesting about this and what was most interesting when it came through was that it, 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 it talked about trust as, as self-love. 
and I thought, wow, that's a really interesting concept. Um, and I felt my way into it, and I could see how, just looking at myself, who I'm sure isn't too different than many other people, how much fear I was carrying on a daily basis. You know, will this be okay? Will that be okay? What should I do about this? What should I do about that? And a lot of that was, well, not only was it wheel spinning about things that perhaps I couldn't even control because they had to do with other people, but it was also very much, it was very very contracted. It was, the when I think of trust, I go, ah, okay. And I think there, you know, what we believe and what we hold on the feeling level is what is eventually going to show up in our lives one way or another. So if we are trusting that we are taken care of, that's going to be a very different outcome than if we're really afraid that that what we have, what can we do, what can we do? You know, that, that mind energy rather than the heart energy that goes, ah, oh. So coming into our heart is really an important aspect of our growth at this time. And I think that's what the frequency of trust is all about. It's coming out of that mind that's always working, always figuring things out, always trying into that place where we kind of release and at least entertain the fact that the universe is not against us, that it's for us, and that if we can relax into the flow of things, that they will actually work out because it's not like there's something written that our lives can't go well. And I think the challenge is to relax into that. And I find it very interesting that you brought up that this is not about blind faith. Very different frequencies. Very different frequencies. Blind faith is that one where, like, um, you know, uh, somebody tells you, presents you with something, and... You, and it sounds good, and you don't even look into it to to really check out your your feelings or really check out the information. You just go in that sort of um, mindless place of like, oh well, the universe has brought me this, so this just must be a good thing, so I'll go for it. And it's like, no, no, calm down, mm-hmm. calm down, center yourself, check into your feelings. Check into your heart. How do you really feel about this? It's very different frequency. Trust is much more grounded. And and this is interesting because so many people have, have said, oh, we should get away from grounding because that's, that's old stuff and that's past stuff. But I don't believe that. <laughs> I believe as long as I we're don't. in a body on the face of this earth, we need to be doing some grounding. And we're grounding yeah. the spirit in a way, uh, which is a kind of different type of grounding. And I feel like this is such a big one, I, I, you know, to go on with trust here because it's, this is really, you, you really nailed it in regards to what people are dealing with because these, these challenges tend to come up in people's paths right now. 
And it's because we have to be able to trust. We have to know with our heart and our every essence within us that we're on the right path. And the ego, I think, wants us to question that. Are you sure you're on the right path? This isn't seeming to provide you with the stability. You know, that mind piece comes in there, <laughs> and it really goes, and what happens when this happens and that happens, and it challenges us and throws us out of that balance and, and to step back in and go, okay, I'm here. I know this is it. I'm, I'm not supposed to jump back into this other situation that was damaging me just like what I first read. We're not supposed to go running back to Egypt <laughs> to the 400 years slavery. And, yeah. and, and it's scary when we let that go because oftentimes when we're letting go of that so-called slavery in our life, as, as we were talking about earlier, then it, there's all these unknowns that come up. It, it, it's, it's what do I do now? You know, this isn't in place yet. And you're asking me to trust. <laughs> I'm headed down the road and there's no money in the bank account and <laughs> and not enough gas to get me to the next destination. Where <laughs> You want me to do what? <laughs> right, right. And, and yet... Um, I, like you said, running back and embracing the past, which is the past for a very good reason, uh, which didn't mean we've passed it, uh, is not really the way of the, uh, it's not the way that is honoring our growth. And some of the times, some of the things that show up in our lives that are not um, what we may have wished for, if we just can hang out with them a little bit and see what 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 is the gift they have for us? Because mm-hmm. um, on another level, and this may sound contradictory, and so many things on the spiritual path I think can seem contradictory at a certain level, but at a bigger level, then they don't. And this is the idea that everything happens for a reason, and that reason is here to has a gift for us. And some of the time, the gift might be not to think the way we've been thinking, but Again, it's not about denial. So it's something comes up that's not our first choice. It's not about denial. It's not about like, no, no. I I I know too many stories that have bad have had bad outcomes because of that because something that showed up either on a physical body level or in a relationship level that somebody the different people that I have in mind, just didn't pay attention to the warning signs, the things that first came up. And if they had paid attention when those things first came up, they would have taken different steps. But because they were so into this can't be happening, you know, I just, this is not for me, it can't be happening, that they, they lost their time frame of being able to make the appropriate choices. And so when they came the time where they finally did own that the situation was happening, it was a lot harder to deal with. Well, and I think, too, if we can keep in mind, particularly, and and this is me coming from a little bit of an astrologer background, nothing is leaving our life right now that we absolutely need. And nothing that we absolutely need to have in our life will leave our life. Um, and, and that's hard to 
keep in perspective in the process of of these things, these shifts and these changes. And I feel like, as as you've alluded to, it's really about learning how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And it's only uncomfortable because we don't know it. So if we get comfortable with it, we'll come to know it. And then it won't be uncomfortable anymore. And then, in, in, in that, in a sense, does speak to our willingness to trust that exactly. the situation has something for us. There's, you know, uh, there's a gift that 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 there is a guiding force in our life. We're not just, you know, thrown out here on earth and and meant to figure it out with our minds. That there is this deep connection. We are the source of creation that is running through us uh, all, at all times. And we're just, it's, I think it's, it's, very, it, it's very complicated for a lot of folks that to, to figure out these things that seem like polar opposites, like yin and yang, and yet, in a sense, they are part of the whole. And some of the time, we may have to walk through something said that's uncomfortable and 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 see what it's bringing and what it may be bringing is that it's time to turn in another direction what it may be bringing is like well we just need to hang out with this a little longer because there it's leading us in a way that we didn't expect but that doesn't make it a bad way right it's very simple right. stuff and what i love about the glyphs is that there's something to hang on to. They've proved that many times in my in my life. Um, they'll just give me like a if I if I'm really under stress and I just draw a glyph, close my eyes and pull one up and read what it says, I will I will settle down. It's like gives me if they're bigger picture. They're all about bigger mm-hmm. picture. And then okay, I've read it, my mind needed that something to wrap itself around, and then I just hang out with the glyphs. And what they do is the majority of them, if you just do a soft eye, open, can even be an open, closed eye meditation with them, they shift and change. Foreground becomes background. They do some very interesting things, which is why they're just line drawings. And people have said, they're so beautiful. Why why didn't you color them in? That would have been, they were so Beautiful, and that was my original thought when I thought they were artwork. And the guidance was, no, you can't do that because then that will lock them up by leaving them as these line drawings. They do this shifting, and they're actually working on our neural pathways in our brain. Uh, So they're actually like a form of neural feedback. When they do that shifting, it tells us, ah, okay, something is moving here. Something is moving inside of me. As in, in other words, a glyph is working on me. Well, and that's interesting because that's a little more um, related to how grids work, for example. Uh, you know, as, as they say, be hollow like the bamboo. Um you need space between those lines and those containments uh, in order for the energy to flow through, but it's also a connector, you know, like a grid, it's all connected together and it's all flowing in this pattern. 
um, there. And yeah, and then if you filled in the spaces, you would actually be creating a sort of block in the energy. You would be creating like a wall. Right. Where and then it would be a very pretty picture, but it wouldn't have the energetic um, possibilities that it has the, the way that they are. Now, does trust have the letters and the name like the other two you gave us? Yes. Where did I just put trust? Just put it down. Yes, it <laughs> does. It does. Um, hmm. I would already had jump to another glyph. Wait a minute. And another I of my... Here we go. Trust. Yes. Okay. Uh, trust has the three letters, which is A-K-R, pronounced I-car. They're very fascinating because they, their names end up like the first one, E-car. This is I. The pronunciation is A-Y-K-A-R. The letters are A-K-R which again seem unpronounceable, but they begin to flow into a sort of pattern that begin to, begins to represent itself as almost a language. Yes, exactly. And, uh, in, in the very pronunciation of them, aside from the glyphs themselves. And what I wanted to say, because this came up when, when all this was coming through, is that it, they were compared to the idea of like Egyptian hieroglyphs, and even Hebrew letters, because a hier- that's why they want it to be called glyphs. And in a sense, you could call the Hebrew letters glyphs, because they have a sound, but they also have a meaning unto themselves. And so each of, you put some Hebrew letters together, and it makes a word, but each of those letters or symbols or glyphs has a meaning unto itself, which it seems to be true with all of the glyph languages. And that's why some of the guidance here was occasionally to work with a couple glyphs at once because you're actually then working with a synergistic relationship between the glyphs you've chosen, and that has a different effect on you than just working with one. I mean, it's it's just endless places to go with this, and even I haven't explored them all. Well, and I think that's that's the fun thing, and one of the things I love about what you've done is there is this little realm of freedom to take it to what you're being guided to use it with. You know, exactly. If, you know, if you've got that guidance to say, okay, I need to work with the two of these together, and, you know, how does that come together? Um, or, you know, maybe I take synergy and I lay it down over atonement and trust, and... Synergy helps bring those together for me. Um, and another thing that's very interesting is, so when you look at these cards as you have, you see that there's a place with the, with the front of the card where the glyph is, you know, rather large, and the letters and the name. But I was also encouraged to work with them upside down, sideways, um, Sometimes we take in information in different ways, different, you know, from one person to the next. So the idea was play with these, see what, what, how it really speaks to you. Like I'm right now looking at um, Atonement, the Celestial Messenger, and it has an extremely different feeling to me when I do it upside down. As a matter of fact, for me, I prefer to work with it upside down. 
interesting. Well, because, you know, it's that child part of us that really, not the child that went through the hard time, but the essence of the child that's who we were when we first came in, the magical child. That's an aspect of us that knows, understands play and sees that, I mean, we tend as adult humans to think of play as something that just children do. And the fact is that we need to play more because then that brings that very creative part of ourselves more to the forefront of who we are and and fortifies us for the things that we're dealing with in our lives. I That is so true, and I think that that's a big part of probably what is out of balance for people today because they've, they've bought into the belief that they've got to work, they've got to work, there isn't enough, um, I'm not drawing in enough money, so I've got to take on another job or whatever the case is, and they're not getting their playtime. You know, I, I remember growing up, playtime was a given. You go to European cultures, playtime is a given. You have to take vacation. It's not an option. (laughs) It's required and it's paid for. And, you know, these sorts of things. So I think definitely there's a lot of people that that don't get that. And other cultures, they they honor their play through different prayer or spiritual activities or things like that. Um, but Americans don't, and, and it's ironic that way because on one hand, you've got all these people that are out doing all these activities more in America than maybe other places, but they're not genuinely playing still. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I, it's, it, there's so many things that are, are, are part of our culture that we don't see because they're like fish in water and we just take them for granted that that's the way things are and that's the way things should be. And like you Mm -hmm. said, other cultures, it's not that way that you have to take a vacation. And I, I, I think, and you have to take breaks. And I, I think that's where one of the places, you know, we were founded on what was called the Puritan ethic which really meant, you know, hard work. And I I think that's very limited, and it, it squelches that creative part of ourselves that might actually come up with a, an answer that's far better than taking a second job. It might be an answer for us to create, like, a whole different way of having money flow into our lives. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that talking about a couple things here that I think are really, really important. And one is this shifting to the heart, coming out of our overuse of the head, uh, overuse of the thinking, thinking, focus, focus, and more into the heart. And I think it's it's actually a good idea on a daily basis for us to, like, put our hands over that area, the heart chakra area, and breathe into it and, 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 and feel the, the, 
what it is to come into the heart center. And, and one of the ways that I always recommend to people is think about something or someone you love. And then mm-hmm. breathe that energy into that area of the heart and start to activate that, which is going to be connected to the next thing I'm saying, which is about the child. And I think the heart is connected to that child energy. And it's very intrinsic to who we are and very important. We are not linear beings. And the culture that we live in is pretty linear. And so it means it's cutting off some of our best resources to solve our personal and collective problems. So I love yes. the list for that because they're like children's toys, and yet they're very profound. You know, they're these very profound beings, in a sense, in themselves. And yet I'm sitting here right now on the floor uh, where I like to spend a lot of time. I'm kneeling on the floor, <laughs> and I'm just placing the glyph cards out around me. And just doing that is very, well, on the one hand, it's very relaxing to to just have these symbols all around you in no particular order, just out there and where you can glance from one to the next. They're very, they have a feeling to a feeling level to them that I would call bright and shiny. And mm. in that sense, they're kind of like toys to our own child self. And so just the act of doing this and then allowing ourselves to go, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I like this one today. This is the one I want to work with. Okay, cool. I'm going to prop it up here, and I'm just going to stay in my comfortable place on the floor or lying on my bed or whatever. You don't have to. This isn't a Buddhist meditation. You don't need to sit in a meditative pose. It's good to breathe because breathing helps quiet us down and does help quiet the mind down. So I recommend that anybody, you know, who has done any yoga incorporate a yogic breath because that's very helpful. But basically, aside from that, have fun with them. Let them do you. Don't feel like you have to do them. So that's my thought. (laughs) I think that's a great way to approach it, um, especially given the nature of what they are and how they work and being that they are these frequency holders. Um, and there and and there's like you say, just so many directions of how it can go and um, you know, so so many opportunities there and I love the sense of play. I, I oftentimes when I would lay out spreads on something, take a look at cards or whatever uh, pull some gemstones, whatever it is that I'm doing, uh, would sit on the floor. And there is this sense of play. There is this sense of openness and curiosity there that um, that we need to do. You know, we we need to get our hands dirty once in a while. You know, we need to play in the mud and we need to do these things. And it's these little reminders that that bring us forward. And as you say, getting into the heart space, I so agree with you that that is incredibly, incredibly important right now because it's that feeling space that's going to see us through. It's that feeling space that's going to open the doors. And so many of us, I think we give in and we don't honor those feelings. 
you know, for example, we get that feeling that comes up and and uh, we hit some challenges along the road and we start thinking, well, my only option is to go get a traditional job and not do what I love doing, <laughs> for example. And and yet if we feel that feeling and we don't deny it, we realize that that's not what we want. We realize it's not right if we actually honor that heart-centered scope and get back to listening to the heart. And if, we, if we're willing to, as we said before, be comfortable with the uncomfortable and sit in that space for a little bit, we'll get all the answers. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I, I, I think that, see, notice I even said I think. I would prefer to say I feel. Yes. As soon as I say the word I think, I can feel my energy going up to my head. As soon as I say the word I feel, I, I suddenly feel the energy coming down into the heart, into a sense of, as we were saying before, groundedness. Because I feel is is coming from the depths of me. I think is coming from upstairs that's way overworked so yeah i i feel and i believe that our sense of the heart and and the sense of play which means taking off all these should boundaries and giving ourselves some time like that each day especially if there is something pressing in our lives um, and doing something like with the glyphs, like this, how I'm sitting here on a carpeted floor, I'm in a kneeling position, and I just have these glyphs spread out all around me, and I feel very enriched, and I'm not doing anything but sitting here on the floor, and I'm not even focusing on a particular glyph. You know, my eyes are kind of shifting around, and, of course, I'm in conversation with you, but there's a feeling of being energetically uplifted. And we can't do that if we don't give ourselves the space to do it. You know, it, it can't happen if we're so busy all the time trying to solve our own and the world's problems. Mm-hmm. So some of the time, and so frequently of the time, our answers come from very unexpected places. So it's cultivating that ability to be to be open, and we go back then to the idea of trust, you know, so that we're not all contracted because trust is the opposite of being contracted. And we're in that very contracted space. We can't really take in new information. It's true. And, you know, as you mentioned, the breathing is a quick way for us really to get into that trust and breathing through the heart, doing yoga, breathing, things like that. Um, because so many times when we're in that panic space, when we're when we're in these distortions that we tend to jump into easily, uh, the head spaces, um, we're not breathing. And ironically, yeah. we're trying to grab thoughts, and when and we're not breathing, which means there's no oxygen in those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. And it's about these are cultural habits, so we don't notice them. Um, because, like I said, it's a fish in water, and fish doesn't even know it's in water because it's in water. 
And we don't mm-hmm. notice our our cultural uh, beliefs and thoughts and and the whole holding system because we're so we've we've been so saturated from the moment we entered the planet by the thought fields and the thought forms of all that's gone before us and the way of doing things that we, we it's and I think that's what this particular time is all about and why it's so difficult because it's about breaking the patterns of the past and we can't mm-hmm. do that we can't do that only with our minds I so agree um, because and, if we were meant did, to do it with our minds, we would just have these heads that would have some legs. We wouldn't have any other <laughs> of the body parts. We wouldn't need them. It, I so agree, and I think that's a big part where we talked about uh, the individuals that are the, the spiritual people in the family or the, the one-off in the family, and um, they're here to clear these patterns them probably more so than the rest of uh, people out there, but they're the ones that yeah. are actively doing it, and they're the ones that are actively closing down the dysfunctional aspects of family dynamics and friendship dynamics and things like that. And um, absolutely, you just can't do that from the head only, because if you did, the head would say, it makes no sense to leave this situation. Right. And yet... It is damaging you beyond belief <laughs> and, you know, realizing that, hey, actually this thing that left my life, even though I maybe I'm sitting in this scary place at the moment, it's a really good thing that it left my life because it really wasn't benefiting me and it really wasn't doing good in my life. You know, it may have been providing this one little piece, but it really wasn't beneficial. It was actually a drain. It was actually a, a, a negative Things sucking up energy. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yes, yes. You know, so it's like we have to go. Actually, this was a good thing that this was. Now there's space open for other things and getting there. You know, as always, Diana, the the time just flies by when you're on the show, and and I love that we got to delve into the glyphs today and to do this after we had dealt with your other work last year um, on this, and I. I want you to take a couple of minutes here and just tell everybody how to get hold of your book and working with the glyphs and and how to contact you if they'd like to and anything that you might have going on. Okay, great. So the best way to get the glyphs, to get this this book called Meditative Magic, the Pleiadian Glyphs, is to either go to the website meditativemagic.com or go to the newer site, which you'll enjoy for many reasons, called thekeeperofthediarybook.com. And then look under the tab that says Glyph Book. And it will basically give you all the information you need and more information about the book and how to order it. Um, and if you have any personal questions for me, please feel free to drop a note to the Keeper of the Diary at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you and if you order a book through the Meditative Magic site or through the the Keeper of the Diary book.com it does come shrink wrapped because of the cards but if you would like me to sign it 
just mention that with your order, and I would be delighted to do it. So I just would like to encourage everybody to check this out because I, I, I found it so expansive in my own life. I feel it's been a major gift. And just sitting here right now with these cards spread out on the floor, I I almost want to break into tears because I feel so blessed to have this as a, to have brought this to have birthed this through for all of you. So please take advantage of it, and I encourage you to check out the Keeper of the Diary because. It's the journey that that really opened opened these glyphs up. So they're they're both very intertwined. So I'd love to hear from you, the keeper of the diary at gmail dot com, and I just send you all love and blessings on your journey. And we're not alone. That would be my final thought. We're not alone. <laughs> I think that's very true. I think we're definitely not alone. And. And there's so much more. I mean, if we had a whole other hour, we could get into the Pleiadians, but I felt it was really important to talk about the glyphs. Pleiadians, well, we can do that some other time. And people have other sources. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and people, there's other sources to, to, to learn about this. But the glyphs are a unique tool, and I really wanted to share as much as I could about them. I I so appreciate this, and, and I think um, – you know, you just bring up so many points, and it is about going forward with this, this love and this light and, and um, working with this. And, and I greatly, greatly appreciate you being back on the show. And I said, well, we just may have to bring you back on again. <laughs> and have oh, you we talk just might. And delve more into the Pleiadians themselves. And, you know, I think your work is very interesting, what you've brought forth, the Keeper of the Diary, as well as the Glyph, um, just really insightful in so many ways and, and so valuable to us. So, again, thank you very, very much for your time today. And thank you, Jesse. I think what you do is quite wonderful as well. So I giving, giving us all an opportunity to share this with folks out there, all these different projects and things that we're into, and everything that you are doing on your own. So thank you. I'm kind of on my own journey. <laughs> and and there will probably be some diaries come out of that. <laughs> exactly. I don't think I could make up what's, what's been going on in my life <laughs> in recent years. But. I know what you mean. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, okay. it's just like, really? Well, I guess so. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's, that's kind of what I felt like. Yeah, definitely. Really? Really? This is yeah. what you're going at more? <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> you know, just. Absolute pleasure. Thank you again, Diana, and we'll see what we can do to to bring you back on again in the future. Great, Jesse. Thank you so much. This was was, was a, a wonderful sharing opportunity with you. Okay, <laughs> and, so you be well, and I'll look forward to hearing from you. Wonderful. Okay. And coming up next, next week on our show, we have Angelia Grace. And you are going to fall in love with her and her music. We're going to be taking a look at her work. We're going to be sharing some of her music. She has an incredible ethereal voice. And we're going to be bringing that in for the turning of the season, which is May Day. It's another shift in the year for us already. 
and uh, she's actually going to be calling in from Ireland. So when I say this is a treat, this is a treat. Matter of fact, she shared a little something on, on Facebook at one point. I took one look at it, and I said, this girl has to be on my show. <laughs> and she's young. She is only like in her mid-20s, something like that. So she's very, very young, and just you have to hear it to, to know what I'm talking about. So definitely tune in next week. Um, you know, my books are out there on the market. You can catch them through my website. I also share my guest work. Uh, oftentimes you can find their work on my website. My upcoming book that I'm a co-author on, Embraced by the Divine, is there. Monthly videos are being put up there. Usually around the full moon you can catch the upcoming shows. I have some incredible upcoming guests, not only my musical guests, um, but uh, other other guests coming up that are just sharing amazing work all the way through. I can't even describe it from people who are tracking spiritual energy through something called New Companion, <laughs> to Kimberly McGeorge, to, I mean, it's just going to be an amazing year. So you got to stay tuned and, and tune in. I'm going to be looking at some name change stuff in the future and how that affects our lives. Uh, so lots and lots of great shows coming forward. Uh, also check out the Compassion Tour, where I am, what's going on. I'm in the Black Hills this weekend uh, working in nature and doing those events. And from the Black Hills, I'm going to be headed further east, just dancing with the tornadoes probably. I'll be going into Palo, Iowa, where I'll be doing an event for the weekend of May 1st and May 2nd. You can still sign up for that one. That's a full weekend event. And also, I will then be headed to um, Galesburg, Illinois. And I'm going to be at a great shop there called Inner Wisdom. I'll be taking private sessions. I've got four nights of doing workshops there. I'll be headed from there down to Kansas City area. From Kansas City, I'm going to be heading back up to Michigan and working my way up to Michigan, Traverse City, Michigan, and then I'll be going on to um, Clinton Township after that in late June, uh, which is just outside of Detroit. And then I'll have events going on in Pennsylvania and Maryland and Connecticut and all over the eastern range there. So, Anyways, you can find out about all of those on my website, Jesse and Nichols George, the number one.com. I've also got a great section on there for Main Street Universe where you can follow all of our hosts and upcoming shows, uh, archive shows there as well. And in addition, um, I've got the special reading this week, which is still uh, 50% off of Dream and Simple Interpretation. That's on my website, right on the homepage. You can take advantage of that. And that is good through the end of this month. So you've got almost one more week to take advantage of that. And don't forget, we do have several shows here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. Monday nights is Randy Goldberg doing Vedic Astrology. Tuesdays is Susan Wheat sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. Wednesday nights, we have our flagship show with Daniel and Janice. And Daniel is actually on tour with Dragon's Head, his band. Uh, he's doing a little tour around, which is really exciting that he's, he's getting a chance to do that. And that's oftentimes backed up with Darren Bouquer, uh, who's a reader at Madame Laveau. And Darren does spiritual insights. And Kevin Baird pops in and out. Matter of fact, Kevin is the creator of New Companion, and you're going to love finding out about that. I'm going to have him on this summer as well. He also created Horizon Oracle Journeys deck. And that can be tracked or discovered through templeofdia.com. Uh, so this is Jesse Ann Nichols-George. 
thanks so much for being here today. And again, thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on Penn, known as Pair Encounters Network, Streamfinder, Talk Stream Live, and those catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of our show as well. I do look forward to seeing you back here next week as we delve more into activating compassion. Don't forget if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shumshai. Again, you can follow up with their work, check out what they're doing, and additional music by them at www.shumshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I. So much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. And we are in time with time, one with season of change inside. And we are in tune with the tune. Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside The light within Shining to show you It's it to begin When all I have Is all I need I will soar to the edge of eternity All we have is all